Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Well, glory. Hey there, Praise Chapel. Amen. Wednesday night. So let's uh, let's get this uh, short sermon. Let's get let's get with the program on this. Um, I pray that you're challenged. I pray that there's conviction, and obviously, with those two things. Um, our lives are changed. And the bottom line, that's, that's the awesome thing about being a Christian is my life is going to change. I'm probably the worst on uh, sermon titles. This would just deal with Christian maturity. I, I talked to a religious guy one time and I asked him, so in Las Vegas, just give me a ballpark on how many on-fire Christians do you think or would imagine in, in Las Vegas? And this is a real committed guy, really a good, good Christian, committed guy. And he goes, well, I think about, I think there's maybe 5,000 on fire Christians. And that's fine. Whether it's 5,000, 10,000, 100,000, if it was 2 million on fire Christians, obviously we would have more impact. And that's what I was thinking. He said 5,000. And I'm thinking, are the rest just going to church and ineffective? Okay. So there's 5,000 on fire and obviously God could use more. So. Christian maturity, definition of maturity would be the state of being mature, rightness, fully developed, amen, fully developed. We sang the old sin back, that old hymn back in the days, he brought me out of the miry clay, amen. So, and so God brings us out of that miry clay and then he's obviously forming something awesome in our lives and he's building us to bring his plan for your life to maturity. And in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, that's, it's, it's exciting. It's awesome that this scripture in Jeremiah is for every person on the planet that God knows you. The very hairs on your head are numbered. He knows you by name before you were formed. He knew you. So this scripture here is for everybody that God has a plan for your life. And one of that part of that plan is to become a mature Christian. That's not just. John is preaching a hard sermon like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this. No, I get to do this. I get to live for God. Because some people, oh, people, some people say, it's, oh, it's so hard to live for God. Okay, it's harder to live for the devil. Your flesh doesn't think that. Your flesh likes, likes doing the things it used to do. So your flesh doesn't like to serve God. And we'll get to that scripture about walking in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here it is. God has a plan for your life and for your growth to be mature. And when you're a mature Christian, you will have more impact in the kingdom of God. You'll have a better life. So here it is. So Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Here's one of the thing that, and Jesus is telling us, he comes to the disciples and he says, all power, Matthew 28, and in and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you go and make followers or disciples of all people throughout the whole world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey. 
everything that I have taught and commanded you, not just taught, but commanded you to do, and I will be with you always, even to the end of this age. And teaching obedience, that, that, you know, that, that's not popular. You know, in, in, in Timothy, he talks about in the last days that people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears to hear what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Well, if I hear, if, if I get a, go to that preacher who preaches all that soft, uh, uh, you know, cookies and ice cream and milk, milk toast sermons, and, and I get, oh man, that's just awesome. That's what I want to hear. And hear just something that always appeases to me and my flesh. And oh, I feel good. But you know what? I was born a baby and I had milk and all that soft serve Gerber stuff. But then I did eat a hamburger. I did eat a steak someday. And then God needs people to mature and to grow. And it was a command to make disciples. And that's not done on soft, easy sermons. Our, our, our world is full of mega churches that just preach nice sermons every week. Everybody feels good. They go there. They go home feeling good. Well, there's more to it than that. Jesus preached one hard sermon in John chapter 6. And the Bible says specifically, many walked away. And so Jesus has to turn to the 12 and says, okay, well, you guys going to walk away also? And here's what they say, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. So when you hear a hard saying, do you want this Christian life? How bad do you want it? To sacrifice? Because that's what the flesh has to do. We know Jesus taught that parable. Man, that sin, cut it off. That's not good in your life. Get it out. You, you can't mature. You can't get to get to where God wants you to be if you're going to hang on to that. That's the reason why I got saved. I mean, I, di I didn't want what I used to do. I wanted peace and joy and everything that God had to offer. That's what I wanted when I got saved. And that's what God gave me. So here it is. A real Christian will want to be obedient and discipline their lives to have inf impact and be effective because you're in God's army now. You, you, you're a slave to Christ. You're not a slave to the devil. When you're in the world without God, you're a slave to the God of this world. Now you're in God's army and you to serve and do his purpose. Now, if you don't like that, oh, well, you don't pay my bills. Amen. <laughs> So here it is, Pastor Art, and you know, what a great preacher. He has preached a plethora of sermons to you, Praise Chapel. He's, and plethora means a multiple. So you take these sermons and you're building godliness and holiness into your life with these sermons. See, this is how you're building now. You're building, you're, you're building a Christian lifestyle, holiness and godliness, which brings peace and joy and, and everything that's going to be good on the inside. When you're in the world, man, you could have dressed up and looked good on the outside, but how many, and even whether they're poor or rich, they got everything in the world and yet they're bankrupt on the inside. Why are they bankrupt on the inside? Because this flesh is just eating them alive to where the inside of the soul is completely gone. Multimillionaires committing suicide. And I mean, Kate Spade had, had problems with being, um, uh, uh, she had, uh, uh, 
I forget what she had, but it was bad. And, and, and she was, um, I can't remember the word, but anyway, it's just sad that they have everything and yet are bankrupt on the inside. So Christians, you're going to church. You, you've got to be satisfied because if you're not satisfied and empty, you will go back to that world. The devil's always knocking at the door. Always. He said, come on back. Remember we used to do this and it felt good? Remember? Do you remember? Capture those thoughts. Don't let them seep from here down into here. And that's where you get in trouble. And again, this goes back to discipline. A mature Christian will have to discipline themselves. So here's Pastor Art. He's preached a plethora of sermons because people have built their lives on HBO, soft pornography, our mouths, our filthy language, our, our hate, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, and all of that. So God starts replacing all that stuff. I don't want that anymore. I don't need that anymore. God is replacing that. And that's what sermons do. They start coming in, and then this stuff starts to go out. And this is where you start to become mature, and you start to grow, and just life gets better. So I, I, I love the story. It's like uh, when you see people chained in, in, in alcohol and drugs and pornography, when Lazarus, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, the powerful words he told disciples, now loose him. And that's what God is doing in your life. He is loosing you. You're being loose. And, and so God is bringing you out and, and, and the chains, right? The chain breaker. They have to come off. You can't go back into bondage. Why the children of Israel only remembered, oh man, I remember when we had this and this and this and this. And you don't remember the seven day work weeks and everything that went on with slavery. You don't remember that. Well, if Christians always looking back saying, man, it was better then. It was just, it was just, you know, church and tithing and all this. This is, ah, but really you had it better back in Egypt? I don't think so. That's an immature mind that would say, yeah, it was a little bit easier back there. Yeah, the devil's really pulling an okie doke on that one. Again, Galatians chapter five says about walking in the spirit. My brothers and sisters, God called you to be free. Do not use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever pleases your sinful self. Serve each other with love. The whole law is made complete in this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you go on hurting each other and tearing each other apart, be careful or you'll completely destroy each other. So I tell you, live by the following spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the spirit and the spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other. So you cannot do what just what you please. But if the spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. The wrongful things the sinful self does are clear. Being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins, worshiping gods, doing witchcraft, hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry at each other, causing divisions among people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, and doing other things like these. And I warn you now, as I warned you before, now understand this is a letter to the church. 
He's talking to Christians. He's not, this is not in the open forum talking to whoever came to the park that day and there's a bunch of sinners there. He's talking to the church people. Get that through this right now. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. So I warned you before, those who do those things will not inherit God's kingdom. But the spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law that says these things are wrong. Those who belong to Christ have crucified their own sinful selves. They have given up their old selfish feelings and evil things they wanted to do. We get our new life from the spirit, so we should follow the spirit. We must, we must not be proud or make trouble with each other or be jealous of each other. So Paul has to lay this out to the Corinthians. And when you read all this, you're thinking, gosh, man, if these Christians, you know, are sexually unfaithful and, and taking part in sexual sins and they're angry and they're bitter and they're selfish, that's not maturity. That isn't. And again, I, it's the grace of God. Yeah, we're not perfect. We fail. We, we blow. We do this, that, and the other. But in the bottom line, it's, it's, it's just a heart to live for God. It's that heart. See, God has called you to be a real Christian in a very flaky generation. I guess it's easy to be a flake. The preacher said, you know, people are like water. They flow the least way of resistance. Well, when you become a Christian and the word of God confronts your lifestyle and your flesh on what it wants to do, well, that's not the easier path to take. And so Jesus says what? Yes, wide and broad is the gate that is going. And many go that way, but straight and narrow. That's not a hard saying. That's just fact. It's easy just to, you know, if it feels good, do it. Well, that's, yeah, you know, drugs, sex, rock and roll, free this, free that. Okay, yeah, well, there, there's a price to pay. And when we were paying that price, isn't that why we turned to Christ? We were so chained up and bound that, and then Jesus set us free. It, it, okay, do you remember? That's why you got saved. That's why you got saved. You wanted that gone. Okay, well, you know what? In Matthew 5, 37, Jesus says, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You're going to church. You've been saved. Is your yes for Christ still a yes? Is your no to sin still a no? Or have you compromised? You go, well, I can just do it a little bit. I better get it. I can't get there yet. That's I think that's down the road in this sermon. We're going to keep this short, sweet, and simple. I'm telling you. So here it is, yes, yes, yes. In First Kings chapter 18, you know, Elijah's dealing with, you know, Israel was constantly back and forth, constantly double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And you know, when I heard that scripture again in James, it's not just you're unstable in one area of your life or one thing. If you're double-minded, you're unstable in all your ways. So that little bit of compromise well, that just isn't in one area. That's making you unstable in everything else in your life. And that's what you have to get. Unstable in all your ways. So First Kings chapter 18, Elijah's dealing with the children of Israel and they're constantly back and forth on God. They're serving God and then they go off and worship, uh, you know, stone idols and, you know, and, 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 and just, just, they just worship just incredible stuff against God. So he says, you know what? He says, you know what? 
How long are you going to sit on the fence? Or the King James says, how long will you halt between two opinions? Here in the message says, how long will you sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. And if it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. And it's, it's kind of funny here because this is a hard sermon now he's preaching, right? Nobody said a word. The congregation fell silent. Pastor, pastor preaches, well, you know, fornicating on Friday night and church on Sunday, that's not a good formula for sustaining a healthy Christian life. Because when the devil comes and attacks your weakness again, somebody's going to win. You know, you went out and fornicated on Friday night and you're, you're sorry and you're, they're repenting on Sunday. Awesome. That's great. But you know, your yes has to be a yes and your no will have to be a no to become a mature and effective Christian. It just has to be. 2 Timothy 2.19, the Message Bible says this, God's firm foundation is as firm as ever. These sentences engraved on the stones, God knows who belongs to him. Steer clear of evil. All you who name God as God, well, that's it. God's firm foundation is as firm as ever. Here's another version. But God's strong foundation continues to stand Sealed and grave with these words. The Lord knows who belongs to him. Everyone who wants to belong to the Lord must stop doing wrong. God knows them that are his. And it says to stop sinning. But to hear something that your flesh doesn't want to hear. Pastor's going to preach. You know, it's not a very good simple to sit there in front of your children, your grandchildren, drinking the king of beers. Sitting there drinking the king of beers does not go along with worshiping the king of kings. And I'm sorry, if you don't like to hear that, oh well. Houston, we have a problem. What kind of example is that between is what your kids are seeing? Even worse, you talk about discipleship, you parents that are going to church, yeah. Your kids hear and watch and see everything that you do. They hear the sermons, they go to Sunday school, they know right from wrong. And what are you doing in front of them? What are you showing them? Do they see faith? Do they see love? Do they see the power of God? Do they hear words of hope? What do they see at home? Well, the king of beers is not the answer. Not a good example. See, when you go to a country club church, and I've been there, <laughs> I've been to that country club church. They talk more about their 401ks than they do about Christ or leading somebody to Christ or what is God doing in their lives? Their fishing trips, their hunting, their this, they talk more about that than, oh, you know, I was talking to a friend at work and he's really open to the gospel and I was sharing with him some simple scriptures and you just, you just never heard that. There are some Christians so consumed with their better life, becoming a better you. I, I, I get it. That's a, that's, a, that's a natural byproduct of serving God. There will become a better you. But it's not all about you. It's about the kingdom of God. And you are just, and everything you have heard and everything on deliverance and everything that pastor artists preach, everything, and you don't do anything with that, you are just such a selfish Christian. Are you kidding me? Pastor preaches his brains out 
and you just, oh, well, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. He's just preaching so good. And yet, you know, just to take that so for granted. And maybe that's what we do. We go to a place where we hear great preaching. Yeah, and you take that for granted? See, here it is. You go back to that country club church again. The Bible says the devil knows he has but a short time. There are Christians go to church. You know what? They, they don't. That, that talking about there's a short time and the devil's working 24 hours, seven days a week because he has a short time. And then your country club, average American Christian goer, well, he could frankly care less because it's about becoming a better him, a better life. And that's what you have when you serve God. Again, the natural byproduct, your life does get better and God does things. But you know what? It's all about the harvest. And that's where God's heart is. And you have to become a mature and better Christian to have impact for his kingdom. Yeah, this is about you, but then it's not about you. It's about somebody else. The average Christian goes to church, you know, they walk out and, oh, I feel so good. And, oh man, this is, that was great. I feel so good. And that's great. But you know what? If you have an impact on somebody else's life, how about them have the same feeling? Oh, I feel so good. I have so much peace. I have so much of this. I have so much. God is doing this and God is doing that. What about them? Does the average American Christian ever think about them? Oh, they feel so good. Oh, that's great. You just got your nice little Christian life and all your good little Christian friends and and yet the world's lost and dying and going to hell and you really don't give a flip. That's great. That you, you, that those people are baby Christians their whole life because they're ineffective and useless in the kingdom of God. Is that hard? Yeah. How can they have impact? They got more about the king of beers in their home than they do have anything else. I kid you not. They're <laughs> the country club Christian church. It's amazing. You, you, you can go to their house and they have a bar. And, and you know, it's, it's almost like they worship Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, Captain Morgan, and absolute vodka. Well, let me tell you what is absolute. You invite the devil in for lunch. He's going to stay for dinner. And it's amazing. These Christians... Do you think you can play with a demonic spirit? Because that's what alcohol is. Do you think you can play with it? The liquor store has a sign that says, wine and spirits. So if you don't believe alcohol is a demonic spirit, well then, okay. Click me off right now. It is a demonic spirit. I once spent time with uh, Johnny Cash. And he struggled. He had a tough life. You know, he was... You know, in his lifestyle and everything. And um, he was sharing with me towards the end of his life. He goes, you know, I, I finally defeated alcohol and drugs. He says, it's been rough, but I finally defeated that. He says, but I was in church one day. And then the preacher comes up to me and says, you know, there's a, br- there's a brown demonic spirit all around you. Just all around you. Wow. Is that shocking? Oh, he's going to a real church with a little preacher. And he was, it was a spirit of nicotine. He says, man, he says that, that, that nicotine and which nicotine is 10 times more addicting. It was 10 or 20 or 30 times more addicting than heroin. 
So if you, if you have more money for your, your, your alcohol, your $20 parlay card, your cigarettes, everything, you're not tithing, Houston, you have a problem. Do you think that's right? Being addicted to this stuff and, and it just, it just drains your finances. Oh, I can't afford a tithe. Well, gee, no wonder. You're spending money on all this garbage. Going back to the Christian bar setup. Imagine kids see this, grandkids see this. And, and, and they have to, do they ever put two and two together? Like, gee, Papa goes to, goes to, goes to church and then, uh, we have all this at home. It just, it doesn't fly. It, it doesn't go together. It doesn't go together and it never will. More Christians need to pick up their cross, not their modello. Not their Corona. The Corona commercials are so cool, aren't they? They're always on a beach. They're, they're always on vacation or something. I don't know. There's always, there's always a party. There's already, there's always, they're, they're dancing. They're happy. Everybody's happy and they got their Corona. And, and, but that's not the true picture. They don't show somebody, you know, throwing up and hugging the toilet at night and all that and feeling up and saying, Oh God, I'll never do that again. I mean, no, seriously, waking up the next day is absolutely one of the most worst feelings on the planet. And I said to myself, self, I'm just never going to do that again. Did you think you can play with the spirit? Knock yourself out on that one. So here it is. Where are we at now? They talk about the little things, little foxes that spoil the vine. The devil looks for any little any little inroad. That's why in Ephesians, when the Bible says, don't give place to the devil. And the word place is topos, where the Greek word topos, where we get topography. Hmm. Grab a map that has a topography and everything on there. And it gives heights, elevations, and it, and it gives the whole layout, not just a flat layout. It tells you everything. And the devil's used the same road map for a long time. He, he knows. And it's pretty sad that he's so much smarter than Christians sometimes. And yet, the Bible says we have total authority to defeat him. But you got to get everything to fall in line. You know, Pastor Art's been preaching about the full armor of God. Your loins girt about with truth, the helmet of salvation. Remember, you're saved. You're living in this world. You're saved. And your truth. Gosh, those two, those two right there. Quench the fiery darts of the devil. Weak, immature Christians can't, the darts come flying through. I like to ask Pastor Art how many sermons he's preached on prayer. And yet, <laughs> you don't pray. He's preached his brains out on prayer. Wow. Multiple times. I can imagine this. Uh, Jesus going to that country club church. He goes home to have dinner or lunch with, you know, one of the saints. And, you know, they go to that Christian bar and the average American Christian says, hey, Jesus, you want a rum and coke? And Jesus is going to politely say, no, I'm good. I have a good, healthy relationship with my heavenly father and and I'm good. You know, my mom was right. When you start drinking that beer, it goes from beer. What's she warn? Marijuana, the ganja, 
And after that, what is it, LSD, heroin? It was just a progression. And you wonder why people's lives are destroyed because it's a progression. It starts here and then it just, like little raindrops, a little snow, and then there's an avalanche. And, you know, God wants to put the avalanches to an end, don't you think? Those avalanches that just crushed our lives, they, 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 they have to come to an end. Where are we at here? I like Matthew eleven twenty eight. I'm going to come to an end here. Maybe you call this part one. Or I'm keeping this short. Sweet. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, "Come unto me, all of you, to labor and have heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am oh, I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Yeah, Christian, I hate to say it, whether you're immature Christian, mature Christian, yeah, God has given you a burden, and that NASA lost. God has given you, that's the only one on you. You have a burden to live this Christian life. I mean, be the best. Strive to live for God. That Holy Ghost conviction, King David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that conviction, because see, okay, we're going through COVID times. I get it. But you know, you missed church for a couple weeks and you forgot how to live for God. You forgot how to tithe? We still have a building to support. You know, I, yeah. You know, there's Christians that miss church. Oh, I don't tithe this week. Maybe that's why they miss church. Seriously? That, that, that's not mature Christianity. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not even close. I mean, so the COVID thing is, can you stay strong during this time? Of course you can. God, we sing there's victory in Jesus. Well, there's victory all the time, doesn't matter what's going on. There's victory. That simple conviction, that Holy Ghost conviction. And God's, besides the sermons, that, six, that other six days a week, I'm not in church. God says, no, that, no, not that way, not this way. That's not good. Don't mess around with that. Don't turn that on. Don't, and, and God's, God's helping you, right? You've got to have that Holy Ghost conviction. So this COVID thing, yeah, fellowship, it, it hurts to miss fellowship, you know, and my work schedule's jacked. I mean, I, I miss more church than anybody. And, you know, and it just, you miss that fellowship and, you know, cause I mean, it's just when you get together in a congregation, you know, and Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see a day approaching. And when you read that and so much the more as you see a day approaching, you're thinking, well, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be times when you need that strength, encouragement, and fellowship, and have brethren and support. And that's what happens at church. So I really thought about this sermon thinking, gee, we've missed so much church and, and this, that, and the other. Can I stay mature through this time? Can I? Of, of course I can. There's no reason not to. Pastor says, you know, we, it's a simple. Living for God, you know, you got to read, you got to pray and witness and give and, and just, it, the, you bring the simple basics together and this is what God has been doing in your life. And in one full year, you've heard enough to be discipled. If you just listen to sermons for one year, you, you'd be complete and say, okay, I've got a roadmap. You go to the army, you got basic training for three months and then uh, they call it AIT, whatever your MOS is. Then you go to that training, maybe three months, four months, six months, and then you're out there. You are 
a soldier. Police academy, you go for six months, go to field training. When you come out, then you're a police officer and you're ready to go. Christians, I mean, if you've been going to church for three, four, five, six, seven, eight years and you're losing it through this. I mean, does that make any sense? Soldiers are still soldiers. Police officers are still police officers. They, they haven't lost. They haven't forgot their training. They had a foundation built. Praise Chapel Christians, you have a foundation. You've been given that foundation. We just can't fall apart if, okay, no church for a month. You, you, nothing falls apart in my life. My passion doesn't fall apart. My, my, my love for wanting to live for God does not fall apart. That's, that's not, that's not, that's not a Christian discipleship. That's not, that's not being that Christian that God wants you to be. It just can't happen. You've been given too much. You are responsible, but you're responsible with a blessing. He that saves a soul is wise. God using your life. So you've been blessed. You've been given that foundation. I'm going to end it there. God bless you. When you talk to somebody, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon a name, Lord, shall, shall be saved. That means you don't have to say a simple prayer. You know, Romans 10, 9 and, 9 and 10. If you confess your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Okay. But there's no specific prayer. You know, Billy Graham did a simple one. But you know what? Anybody who just calls out, say, God, save me. Not you get to tell anybody. Just say, if you meet anybody, you know, pray with them right there. They don't, you don't have to wait to go to church to get them saved. You see them in, you know, Walmart or somewhere. Say, you know what? Can I say a prayer with you? You ask Jesus to come into your heart. It's very, very simple. And aren't you thankful that it's very, very simple? God bless. Love you guys. Pastor Art, you're awesome. All right, guys. Bye.